3: Here we are at the birth of a new era, maybe the most significant era in the history of the IMSA WeatherTech Sports Car Championship. This has been some seven years in the making and planning. So much has gone into this. The millions of dollars spent, the planning, the anticipation, and it all sees green right now here in Daytona. Let's go, the new era of
1: GTP racing. There's obviously world-class teams up and down the grid. There is world-class teams, engineers, mechanics, drivers, everyone. It's what we want to race against. We want to beat these world-class cars, manufacturers, drivers, teams. It's a stacked field. I mean, the Rolex 24 week is different, race week is different, and pressure ramps up and you get to race day and all of a sudden, you know, it's like we say, when the green flag drops, the, the BS stops, and, and this is true, this is when you see who's got their sh** together to go racing. You always hope that you're the ones that have that, and you really only find out once the the race gets underway on Saturday and into the morning on Sunday.
4: Greetings, welcome to the NASCAR NBC podcast. I'm your host, Nate Ryan. The 2024 NASCAR Cup Series season gets underway next month at Daytona International Speedway. But the World Center of Racing actually opens for its first marquee event of the year next week, the 62nd annual Rolex 24 at Daytona, on the track's 3.56 mile infield road course.
2: A good year blimp's eye view of the Daytona International Raceway, capital of Bill Francis' stock car racing empire, now converted to a road racing course. It'll be for 24 hours, longest race in the United States.
3: Great events only happen once a year. It's time for the Ro- 24, let's go! The clock starts counting down from now!
4: The 24 hour racing renaissance starts January 27th and ends January 28th, with full coverage available across NBC and Peacock. Many consider the round the clock sports car extravaganza to be the global lid lifter for the motorsports season. That's validated this year by a full capacity entry list with 59 cars and more than 200 drivers from around the world. The 2024 grid will include at least four Indy 500 winners, a Formula One champion, and a cornucopia of nationalities who have turned laps everywhere from Monza, to Monterey, to Mount Panorama. For IMSA president John Doonan, it's the realization of NASCAR founder Bill France's vision for a race that modestly began as a three hour endurance event in
5: 1962. That is 100% uh, the right words. It's an all-star event, but also, you know, I'm I'm a historian of the sport, uh, regardless of uh, the fact that I, you know, I work for uh, the France family and work for NASCAR and IMSA. And when Bill France Sr. had the idea of having an international sports car race at Daytona, originally called you know the Daytona Continental, that was exactly what he was trying to do: is have the best drivers, best teams, best cars. Come and, and compete at the, the World Center of Racing, and so I love that part of it because uh, you, you feel it now as these announcements have come out that you're you're getting that you know, every single year.
4: Among the biggest announcements for 2024 is the Daytona debut of Jensen Button. And now here
3: comes Jensen Button, the 2009 World Champion. Look at the relief. Look at the joy. We are the champions. We
4: are world champions! World champions! Oh! The Englishman actually attended last year's race when he was introduced as part of the driver lineup for the NASCAR Garage 56 Camaro
1: that raced Le Mans. You know, I've, I've raced some pretty cool races around the world, obviously. In F1, almost every race is cool. Monaco, especially. Le Mans. Uh, and this is definitely up there with special races. You know, the, the lead up to the start of the race. I love it. You know, the way that. All the cars are out there, all the drivers are there, and, you know, flybys, the crowd are on their feet. It's, uh, it's a pretty special start to, to the race here at the Rolex. So I'm looking forward to it, I really am, but there's a lot of work to do before that. Button, the 2009 Formula One champion who
4: has become a popular TV analyst, also made his IMSA and NASCAR Cup Series debuts in 2023. And uh, it's a baptism of fire,
1: definitely, but, um... Fair play to their their racecraft and where they can put a car. That's what impressed me the most. Some really good drivers in NASCAR and Cup Series, especially on road courses, which which surprised me a bit. So it's definitely interesting. It's still t- very tough for me to get used to compared to an F1 car. It's nice; that it has a bit more of an international feel. You know, you have the you have the true NASCAR fans We've been here forever, but it's nice to bring in a new fan base. Doonan said
4: Button is a perfect example of how Daytona's unique allure. Can hook international stars with the track's distinctive shape and storied history.
5: You know, when, when we did the garage 56 testing, Jensen Button had never driven at Daytona, and he, you know he gets this chance to to run the road course. And the the unique nature of the track alone is enough to you know get uh, world class drivers uh, excited. And you know, I talked to guys that have done sports car racing and circuits around the globe, all the iconic places. And they they often say, like, I cannot wait to get to Daytona, you know. And I think not just the fact that it's the Rolex 24 and it's the Rolex watch on Sunday afternoon when you win, but it's, it's such a unique circuit. Where else in the world is there 31 degrees of banking that you get to run a sports car on? I have to check my archives, but I'm not sure there's any uh, current era circuits that allow that. You know, these drivers, I think want to be uh, among a group of peers um from around the world that are the best and and in the end the driver lineups uh for all the cars are just magnificent you know the best of the best from around the world and makes me think back to you know when aj Foyt did you know the rolex 24 and and did his normal stuff and you know dan gurney and and it's it's pretty special that this many folks, the best uh, from a bunch of different disciplines, come to Rolex uh, to compete. And they
4: come to master one of motorsports' trickiest beasts. The sleek grand touring prototype car with its hybrid engine is like imagining if an Indy car or an F1 vehicle had a closed cockpit and fenders, as well as a very steep learning curve. Jensen Button described the hybrid prototype and its 38-page driving manual as a far more intricate cockpit than the current Formula 1 car. Button was glad to have two days of December testing at Daytona to learn his Acura ARX-06 ahead of the roar before the Rolex 24 warm-up weekend.
1: Nowhere near as complex an F1 car. You know, you don't have TC, tra- traction control to start with, and you're very limited in what you can do. Um, you know, 20 years ago we had traction control in Formula 1, we had automatic shifting, but they took all that away. So this is a lot more complicated Uh, and it's also learning the whole time as well the system as you're driving so it it is a bit of a brain (laughs) it messes with your brain a little bit so um, every time we come in we sit down and look at all the data and look what happened what we want to happen and it takes time and uh, luckily we have these two days because if we jumped straight into the raw yeah we would have felt under i would have felt under pressure so this is a, a lovely couple of days testing before we get to the raw (laughs) <laughs> I just need to keep driving. It's understanding everything. You're not, you know, I said to the guys, we, 38 pages of what the steering wheel does and the buttons and what have you, and you don't know all of it when you jump in the car. So it's it's still running through the systems, trying different things, working out what they do, um, because you know you have things that help you at the entrance of the corner, the turn in, the apex, the exit, three different types of exit with TC. I mean, it's just it's bonkers how much work there is that goes into it. You, I got the guys that have driven it for you know a year now, so they have done the base work, which is great. So it's just it's the fine tuning, and listen to these guys. You know they got so much experience, and uh, uh, it's also great working with other drivers. Yeah, it's gonna be a it's gonna be a really good experience. Former Ferrari winner Felipe Massa also will be making his Rolex
4: Twenty Four debut, as one of several Formula One veterans in the field. NBC Sports analyst Calvin Fish noted the presence of Button and Massa could pull in F1 fans who remember a compelling championship battle and
2: an unbelievable underdog title the next year. I think there's at least eight ex-former drivers in the field. Admittedly, some of them were like um, Jack Aitken, who subbed for for Russell uh, Williams, for example, a one-off. But, um, I mean, the highlights, uh, the headliners are obviously Jensen back, uh, did petite last year with uh, with Porsche. Has been recently announced as a full-season World Endurance Championship driver with Porsche with the customer. Jota Sport team, but he's going to be on board with uh, Wayne Taylor. So it's going to be fascinating to see how Jensen does. Uh, I think a big story is Felipe Massa coming over and uh, running with the uh, Ranch 74 team in LMP2 now. Um, I believe he's buddies with Felipe Fraga, two Brazilians there who um, are going to be competing in the same car. So uh, kind of a snapshot when you look at Formula One history. Uh, 2008, Massa just missed out on the title to Lewis Hamilton on that last lap. Switching of positions and then go forward just a few months. Uh, that was when Jensen and the Braun GP team uh, got going and Jensen, uh, you know, won that championship. So to see both those guys on our grid this year is going to be fun. And um, it's a star-studded field. Um, it's always been like a race of champions in terms of who it attracts. Um, the IndyCar off season is long. I think those guys like to knock the rust off. It shortens your off-season. You can't like tuck in too much over Thanksgiving and Christmas. You've got to be ready to go in January. Um, But I think everyone wants to be here. And I think that's really the key element, Nate, is there's going to be some IndyCar guys who would like to be on that grid, but they couldn't find a slot to be there. So... Uh, these guys want to be there. They they recognize it's an awesome event. They recognize that the level of competition has gone to a new peak.
4: There will be at least 11 full-time IndyCar drivers in the Rolex 24 field. And among the superstar crossovers will be defending series champion, Alex Pillow.
3: And here he is, Alex Pillow, for the second time in three years, is an NTT IndyCar series champion. Hello, Pillow, a champion.
4: and reigning Indy 500 winner, Joseph Newgarden, who will be making his second Rolex 24 start, but his first in the premier GTP category.
3: Team Penske at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway and Joseph Newgarden finally wins the Indianapolis 500. It's the captain's 19th win, Newgarden's first. Over you guys, thank you so much for the work. Finally, you got him as an Indy 500 champ.
4: The new hybrid-powered prototypes made their Ballyhooed debut at Daytona last year, ushering in a new grand touring prototype era in which the top category of IMSA also can compete for the 24 Hours of Le Mans overall victory. While that level of prestige is appealing, so is the opportunity to wheel the highly sophisticated hybrid prototype at speed. IndyCar will be switching over to hybrid engines during the second half of the 2024 season. And several IndyCar stars believe that move could determine their series championship this year.
0: But for me, it's really about understanding, because this could be a season wrecker, right? If you go to the hybrid and and you don't understand what it can do to the race car, and all of a sudden when you have a top car every weekend, might fall back to seventh, eighth, ninth place, which could be a season killer for you.
4: So the Rolex 24 will give Newgarden, Polo, Scott Dixon, Colton Herta, and Marcus Erickson, a head start on transitioning to a hybrid engine with a high downforce car. Dixon, the six-time IndyCar champion for Chip Ganassi Racing, has become a familiar face in IMSA. He's the endurance driver for Ganassi's number 01 Cadillac racing team, which also welcomes Polo for his second Rolex 24 start after a 2022 debut. Newgarden got a taste of the hybrid in last year's Petit Le Mans season finale. At Michelin Raceway Road, Atlanta, he made 77 laps over nearly two hours in the number 7963 for Porsche Penske Motorsport. And Newgarden continued getting comfortable in testing last month at Daytona.
6: Being here in Daytona has been a, a great opportunity for an individual like me. You know, I think Porsche has such a robust program. Um, it's really a dream, I think, for any driver to be a part of this this type of program with the history and the lineage, particularly with the involvement in Team Penske. Uh, you know, that's pretty close to my heart being a Team Penske guy. So, you know, the, the fun part for me is that I was here in 2023 in an LMP2 car. I got, you know, sort of my first experience at what this race is all about. And I think I'm in a good spot to build from there. And, you know, it's exciting to do that in the GTP class, which is You know, really the the top of the top, and you feel like you're the hunter when you're on the racetrack, and you're always looking forward. So, you know, I feel better every lap that I turn in the GTP car. It's it's for sure a little bit more complex than my normal day job in that there's there's more happening. Uh, There's a lot more team members. There's a lot more requested of you when you're inside the car. So, I think the more laps you turn, the more familiar you become with the process. Um, And in a lot of ways, it makes you a better race car driver. You know, when you're in an environment that is you know different than your norm uh, which is certainly the case this is you know for sure there's differences between this and the IndyCar I think it just elevates your game as a driver You've, you become more nimble and flexible and um, you know that excites me for my my main job I can't wait to go back to IndyCar racing and kind of use my new skill set so yeah I'm in, I'm in a place where I think driving this car with with Porsche is, is making me better and and i feel really comfortable at this point, having run a 10-hour race and having logged a lot of test laps, I'll feel prepared when we come back here in January for the race. Managing traffic's fun. You know, just another thing that I think elevates your game as a driver. You know, we, we're we not dealing with these type of situations very often in IndyCar racing. It's, you know, you're you're running around cars that are the same speed as you, and you're not coming across lap traffic nearly as often as you are here. So, you know, it tests your judgment skills, it, it, it tests the way that you're able to assess things on the fly really quickly, and I think it makes you quicker within reaction. Um, So I I love that component to it, and, you know, it's something that you you certainly have to get better at. The first time I drove around here and I was, you know, in traffic, I didn't fully know what to do or not do, and you can't supplement the experience of that. You know, I feel like, again, the more laps you log, the more experience you have around a race like this and a track like this, just the better you get at it, so I I think year two will be a better opportunity for me to succeed. Yeah, to win the Rolex Twenty Four, you know, alongside the Indy Five Hundred, the Indy Championship, and you know whatever else you could you could go after it. It's a big deal. I mean, everybody knows that this is a marquee event. It's you know one of these places that you want to succeed at as a race car driver, and you know not everybody gets the opportunity to do that too. So I feel first off fortunate just to have the chance and to be here working with with uh, Porsche Penske Motorsports, but. Um, it would absolutely be a big honor so i'm really focused on the task at hand it would be cool to win the rolex and, and have that in the bag um but nothing's done until it's done so let's you know let's see where we can get to at the end of january
4: marcus erickson also wants to pair his borg warner trophy mug with a rolex watch
3: marcus erickson joins kenny Brack as the only other swede but you just won the indy 500. marcus erickson wins the indianapolis 500 in the most dramatic way
4: the 2022 Indy 500 winner will be making his second Daytona start, but his first in a Wayne Taylor Racing with Andretti Acura. Ericsson will be joining Andretti Global's Honda team in IndyCar this year. If he can enter the March 11th IndyCar season opener at St. Petersburg, already touting a victory with Andretti's sports car arm, that's a tantalizing possibility for the Swede.
1: I mean, that would uh, line up well with a 500 win. You know, it's a. Uh... It's one of the biggest races in the world and, you know, I think every racing driver has Daytona on the list to, to try and win. And, you know, it's definitely, yeah, one of the really big races. So, just to be part of it. it's very special for me. Uh, but, of course, going here with with a team like Wayne Taylor Racing and the teammates I have, you know, we, we got to aim for winning uh, the whole thing. So, that's what we're here for.
4: An Andretti teammate of Ericsson's in IndyCar, Colton Herta, also is a newcomer to Wayne Taylor Racing with Andretti. But Herta also is a highly decorated Rolex 24 veteran. He has earned two watches with victories in multiple classes, GTLM in 2020, and LMP2 in 2022.
3: LMP2 battle, look at this. Colton, Colton. Herder down to the inside. And that was for the lead and potentially the win in class. Bold, bold move. Yeah! They can't believe it, look at this. The man has taken it to the front. Colton Herder! is going to take the Dragon Speed LMP2 car to Victory Lane.
4: And Herta drove BMW's GTP Hybrid in last year's race. As a highly experienced 23-year-old, Herta has learned to appreciate the dynamics of racing teammates who always are working together.
0: I got the chance to have that experience in that BMW prototype last year. I hope it really pays dividends this year. Obviously, I'm just getting into the swing of things here with Acura and Wayne Taylor Racing. So it's, uh, it's an exciting transition, and I've got a great group of teammates to kind of lead the charge. The full-time guy's been super helpful with kind of talking about what you kind of want from the car and how you want to drive it, and they've helped immensely. And uh, I'm having a lot of fun. Car's very interesting to drive. There's some similarities. There's some differences between that and the BMW. And um, so yeah, I'm just enjoying it right now. You know, you spend enough time racing professional that you, you do meet a lot of these guys. And so I've known a lot of these guys for for a little bit of time now. Always thought they're good stand-up guys. Really good guys to race against. So yeah, I've I've always respected them whenever I raced against them. And to be able to work with them now, it's it's really cool. It's it's a lot of fun. It's so different from Indy car racing, right? Because you get to joke a little bit more. Because you have teammates that you don't aren't trying to beat and just destroy. You have teammates that you want to do well also. Yeah, it's it's a different dynamic and I always enjoy coming to do this. It's such a fun race to be a part of. Obviously, it's such a serious race too and, and we, want, we will do anything to win and we're pushing hard for that, but it is fun just to be able to be out here and, and drive race cars and, and have a format like this, a long endurance race, which is just so different to, to everything else really in the world. So... Uh, yeah, I love doing this stuff so much, and I'll I'll come back as many times as I can for sure. The same holds true for Roger Penske, though synonymous with the Indy 500 and Indianapolis
4: Motor Speedway, the captain has strong roots in sports car racing.
1: You know, I was a kid that uh, liked to go fast. I, I raced uh, somewhat uh, on the dirt tracks, uh, you know, with sports cars. We had yeah. a little out of Canfield, Ohio, and places like that, and then got into sports car racing. Really, yeah. that was. Uh, the early days of my original racing career.
4: Penske once considered a sports car career as a winning driver, before becoming one of the most successful car owners in auto racing history. The 24 Hours of Le Mans is among the only voids on the Team Penske resume. Porsche Penske Motorsports two entries finished well outside contention at Le Mans last year, after the team's disastrous start to 2023 in the Rolex 24 at Daytona.
3: Just number seven cars come behind into the garage behind
0: the pit wall and basically the situation was they had an
3: issue with shifting when Matt Campbell was in the car, they changed the steering wheel, they did a reset, they went back out there, then Michael Christensen was uh, complaining of a low energy warnings on the steering wheel. They went about 23 minutes before he had to come behind the wall here and now the team is going to go about changing his battery. Despite easily having logged the
4: most testing miles with the new LMDH prototype, both of the Porsche 963's flamed out at Daytona with mechanical problems and crashes a very unpensky like performance. But both Porsche-Penske Motorsport cars won during the rest of the 2023 IMSA season, including a dominating 1-2
3: performance
4: at the Brickyard.
3: Britain's Nick Tandy and Frenchman Matthew Gemini. They had to work for this one, but this one is gonna be special. To win at the Indianapolis Motor Speedway, you don't need to say anymore, but to do it, For the captain. To do it for Roger Penske anywhere is something, but to win when your boss owns the facility is something else. On the Battle of the Bricks, Porsche Penske Motorsport!
4: That's fostered hope for the performance and reliability that will be needed to deliver Roger Penske only his second victory in the Rolex 24 at Daytona, and what would be his first since 1969. Dane Cameron, who won an IMSA title with Penske five years ago, will return to join proven winners Matthew Jaminet, Felipe Nazar, and Nick Tandy. Fish believes Porsche could be a threat to win both Daytona
2: and the 24 Hours of Le Mans. I think Dane coming back is big. I mean, he's been a three-time IMSA champion over the last decade. I mean, he's got a ton of speed. Just looking at the results, I haven't spoken to him about his um, year in the WEC. It didn't seem to be a great fit necessarily, but he knows these circuits so well. And when Dane Cameron's on board and he's on form... Uh, he can be a differentiator. So I think it's uh, very exciting to see him back. You know, the group as a whole, they're going to be ready to go. I mean, Daytona was tough for them because I think going into Daytona last year, everyone saw them as the favorites because they got out and running earlier than every other manufacturer compared to BMW. They were like a year ahead. So you thought that they would go in and they would have all of the boxes ticked. And ironically, that wasn't the case. Um, So... That would not have gone down well with either Roger Penske and Tim and everyone there at Penske Motorsport and certainly not from Porsche's standpoint as well. So you'd think they'd come back uh, in a little bit better shape this year. Chip Ganassi says, I like winners. Well, I think Roger has the same mantra. He just doesn't use that title. He goes out and he wins championships and he wins big races. So he and the whole group will want to come back here and win this Rolex 24 in the worst possible way because it gets the season started in the best possible shape. Uh, he's always wanted to go to Le Mans. He's now got that opportunity with uh, the ability to take these LMDH cars over to the world endurance championship. Uh, so it's all sitting there now. Now it's about execution. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me to see that group and win the two big 24 hour races this year uh, in terms of Daytona and Le Mans, because they will have done their homework. They would have certainly come back a much stronger situation to start this year. And I think the key also is when you start getting away from reliability and durability issues, you can now focus more on performance. And some of it is somewhat controlled in a box with the uh, balance of performance. But certainly um, as we know with these hybrid machines, they're very complex and you can dial them in and make them sweeter. I relate it to a cup of coffee, Nate, in terms of uh, just raw power, just pouring black coffee in in your cup in the hotel room in the morning. But if you want to make a little sweeter and you pour a little bit of cream and some, some sweetener or whatever; those little uh, extra ingredients, which really gets the the car into its uh, into its sweet spot performance-wise, and I think everyone's learning with that, and I think Porsche will have done the same.
4: As always, the storylines in the top GTP category will draw a heavy focus with so much star power and big-name automaker intrigue. Acura is trying to win a fourth consecutive Rolex 24 Daytona, but without Meyer Shank Racing which won't be racing IMSA for the first time in 20 years, despite winning the past two Rolex 24 overall titles.
3: Bringing it home in the first race for the new era of GTP, the hybrid era in IMSA, WeatherTech competition, Tom Blomquist and Maya Shack Racing win the 2023 Rolex 24 at Daytona. And Spider-Man Elio Castro Neves gets three in a row. Their teammates Simon Pagano and Colin Brown. Victorious here at the World Center of Racing. They defend their Rolex 24 crown.
4: Six weeks after its 2023 victory at Daytona, the team was rocked by a massive penalty for manipulating tire pressures during the win. The reverberations left Meyer Shank Racing without a manufacturer deal in IMSA for 2024. Acura still will have two shots of the GTP win as Wayne Taylor Racing with Andretti has added a second ARX-06 prototype.
3: They are driving it home for three in a row. Conicum and Minolta, Wayne Taylor Racing wins the Rolex 24 at Daytona. In a hat-trick style, four of the last five years, and that man there has guided his team to victory lane yet again. First for Acura. What a performance.
4: Known for being a scrappy organization under the wily leadership of Maverick owner Wayne Taylor, the team has run a tight ship and outrunning powerhouses such as Ganassi and Penske and IMSA. Fish said the key to WTR with Andretti's success will be maintaining that efficient and tight-knit culture as its personnel
2: more than doubles. There's a lot of change. So essentially, they've accumulated all of the Myershank Racing Acura equipment uh, in terms of the cars and everything, not trailers and stuff. Obviously, Mike's still got his racing operation in IndyCar, um, but they've got a lot of cars there, a lot of equipment. I spoke to Wayne just last week. He said we now have 80 plus personnel going to Daytona. That's without 12 drivers that he's got because he's got a GTD entry with the Lamborghini as well. Um, so it's a massive effort by Wayne. Uh, I think he said he's got eight trucks, 12 motorhomes, and I kidded that three of those are for his hair and makeup. But uh, joking aside, it's a big undertaking for that whole group. But It's a lot to bring together, Nate. I mean, they, they've done some testing. They're going to have the raw test, which will be really important to make everyone gel and get that chemistry. But even so out of the box, there's a lot of parts and uh, pieces and people, most importantly – have to work together and identify what their roles are. It's not going to be easy because you're bringing in a lot of people who have not worked under uh, their umbrella before. Sort of get that culture going with new individuals. So that takes time. And I think that's going to be be the biggest challenge is time and getting things ticking. I mean, I think fortunately you go into this season with a 24-hour race. You learn a lot over the course of 24 hours with the preparation going in, the testing, the raw test week and qualifying, uh, and then the race itself. And then you have a nice little break to really decompress, uh, go through everything and see what we now need to tune up going into Sebring in the middle of March and for the rest of the season. So I think that culture will remain. I think uh, Wayne is detail oriented like Roger Penske is. He's flying up to the shop this week to make sure that the decals are spaced accordingly on the race car, for example. So there's no stone that goes unturned with Wayne and certainly the key people that he has uh, on board there in terms of the team management. Uh, But again, when you expand as rapidly as they are, and they've been preparing for it, they wanted to do it, they wanted to control the accurate entry, they feel they're going to be better off for that with two cars under the same home, and uh, not sharing the technology with with a different team that they did last year with Mike and Marshank Racing. So I think it's pointing in the right direction, but again, it's a big challenge for them.
4: The GTP category also be expanding with two new Porsche customer cars. But that pales in comparison to the explosion of manufacturers in GT Daytona and GTD Pro, the two categories that feature cars that
5: resemble road production models. Uh, It's still going to be a big story, GTP. But I think for 2024, there's no doubt and you cannot overlook the GT field. 11 manufacturers run in GT. We have a total of 18 manufacturers, but there's no other... Place in the world where GT cars race that there's that many individual manufacturers running in GT, which is exciting because I think while the prototypes, I've always felt like the prototypes are a look to the future, whether it's technology or design or styling or those types of things, the GT cars are, while they have wings and and dive planes and splitters and and aerodynamic floors, they look much more... Akin to their road going brothers and sisters. The spike in interest from iconic high end European
4: automakers such as Aston Martin, McLaren, Mercedes, Ferrari, and Lamborghini can be traced to the GT3 platform that is raced across various global series. The GT3 has created a cost effective business model, a racing vehicle doubling as a slick customer car. That can be sold more
2: easily in showrooms for example if you if you look at the ford gt program from 2016 to 2019 it's a bespoke car it's not a customer car all of that investment is just to run that one race team Uh, with the gt3 platform and the concept there is that you build this car and it can compete globally not just here in IMSER complete compete in WEC now Um, it can compete in various championships on a global scale. So from a manufacturer's standpoint, you're amortizing the cost over maybe selling a dozen cars versus just supporting two or four cars in a particular championship. So that's what's made it very popular. Yeah, it's just become very popular and I think it's a great concept and it's gradually taken hold and um, allows a manufacturer to make one investment in terms of building a race car and then go out and try and win or at least compete at the big races on the global st- scale, certainly Lamar is uh, one that everyone wants to be at and now they can
4: And it's a domestic matchup that will bear watching in 2024 as Ford ends a four year absence from GT by returning with the Mustang. That will reignite a natural rivalry with General Motors' Corvette Z06. It's an American showdown that Doonan loves.
5: Certainly uh, it's a Detroit battle royale. Uh, I love that um, for both of those brands. and. You know, they've both chosen to use IMSA to, to battle on the sports car side, clearly, and NASCAR. Um, those two brands have been battling it pretty hard. But for us, I think it's a, it's a great boost. Um, but you can't take away from the fact that if, if they're battling, there's going to be, you know, nine others in the mix. Um, and, and we have really worked hard on the balance of performance uh, with, with all the manufacturers you got a lot of different platforms in there, front engine, rear engine, normally aspirated, uh, turbo. And so you you really have a task on your hands as a sanctioning body with input from the OEMs uh, to get that balance right. Because in the end, we want to put on a great show for the fans, so it's got to be a a level playing field.
4: The fans have been a big part of the Rolex 24 at Daytona's notable ambiance in recent years with a jam-packed grid on race
3: day.
6: The grid is packed. It is a perfect day for sports car racing.
3: Each ticket to an IMSA race includes paddock and pre-race grid access. A gorgeous day, a terrific racetrack, and a huge crowd. Welcome aboard.
6: Ability that the fans have to really see these cars up close with all the bodywork off and the guys working on the cars is uh, unique and and really special.
4: Last year's Rolex 24 crowd set a record of at least 50,000 on race day. And Dunin says 2024 is trending in the direction of topping it.
5: I think so on the bigger side. I, I In conversations with Frank Kelleher, who's the president of the track, all camping is sold out again, uh, has been for a while. All the hospitality, uh, both on the stadium side of the venue as well as inside, is sold out. I haven't gotten an early read on ticket sales, but um, I know for a fact we're, you know, on the schedule, we're opening up the, the ball field earlier for driver introductions and pre-race because of the masses of, of humans that we had there last year. Um, and I can only imagine it's gonna be similar. And I'm really happy for our sport, not just IMSA, but in general, because you watch the whole 2023 season, whether it was a, a NASCAR event, an IMSA event, you know, other major events across uh, motorsport, the crowd shots, were something to be proud of. And I think, you know, maybe, um, our sport, uh, throughout the, the challenges of the pandemic, um, was seen as a place where it was wide open in terms of being outside. Um, and you could be at a venue with masses and, and take in the show right in front of you, whether you pulled your car up to the fence or your motor home. And, and so I think that's a, that's a blessing for us. And, I'm excited to see uh, the the campers, the the bonfires, the the camaraderie that that happens at Daytona with people from certainly all over the U.S., but but I think there's plenty from around the world uh, that come every year for the Rolex. Excited to kick off the season. Our staff took the time over the holidays to try to recharge. Uh, it's been a busy couple of seasons getting ready for GTP and executing the season. But Petit Le Mans, we announced. WeatherTech, extending their relationship with us till 2030. VP Racing Fuels in the same way, 2030. Michelin, uh, almost all the way to 2030 with, with options. The sport is in a great place, and and we got some stability. Uh, the manufacturers have chosen to come here, and I think we're going to put on a real treat for the most important people in the mix, and that's our fans.
3: Great events only happen once a year.
4: Thanks for listening to the NASCAR NBC Podcast. This is our first episode of the 2024 season, and you can look forward to more narrative-style episodes such as this. I'll have another special one coming before the Rolex 24. Thanks to Calvin Fish for being so generous with his time, and thanks as well to John Doonan, and thanks to IMSA's Nate Siebens, who set up that interview. As noted, the Rolex 24 at Daytona will be taking place January 27th to 28th at Daytona International Speedway. For information on how to watch on NBC and Peacock, you can go to nbcsports.com slash motors as the race approaches. We'll have schedule information there as well as results, entry lists, and the starting line. That's at nbcsports.com slash motors. Thanks again for listening to the NASCAR and NBC podcast.